Welcome to the Crazy Beautiful Life Podcast. I'm your host, B, and I'm all about living life out loud and on purpose. We cover so many different topics in this podcast, from lifestyle, fitness, motivation, inspiration, sustainability, environmentalism, women's health advocacy, and so much more. I drink a lot of coffee because my life is crazy, but it's beautiful, and I'm so excited that you're here to join me. Hello, everyone, and welcome back to the Crazy Beautiful Life podcast. I'm B, the host of the Crazy Beautiful Life, and I am so excited to be here today. It is a nice day, and you're probably listening to this on Mondays. Mondays are my favorite day, and we have a guest today. So today we have my friend Rob. You can say hello. Hi, my name is Rob. Hi, Rob. It's nice to see Hi. you again. <laughs> Nice to see you, too. Just a general disclaimer, y'all. Um, we are practicing social distancing. Rob and I are recording this ep- episode through Skype. Um, so if things sound a little funky, that's because we're recording remotely. So yeah. bear with the quality and listen to the content, not yeah. the quality. But I'm really excited to have you on the show today, Rob. Um, I just really value you as a person. Ever since I met you, I've always thought you're just such a badass. Um, you live out loud. You freaking say things that you need to say. You live on purpose. And I just feel like you're never afraid to be yourself. Um, so, yeah, I'm really excited that you're here today. Oh, thank you. Yeah, it's awesome to be here. And, again, I had mentioned to you, uh, this to you before, but I'm really happy with what you're doing with this podcast and giving people a chance to share their experiences, their stories, and uh, yeah, I just think it's an awesome opportunity for people to share. Thanks, Rob. Of um, course. So you guys, today it is actually June 19th. So today is Juneteenth, which I just, I will completely admit, I learned about Juneteenth for the very first time today, and I'm happy that I learned about it. Um, so I'm just going to pull up a quick reference to let you guys know about the significance of today. So Juneteenth celebrates the end of slavery in the United States. On uh, June 19th, 1865, um, the mayor arrived in Galveston, Texas, and announced the end of the Civil, Ro- Civil War and the end of slavery. So today's a really significant day, and we are also right, I feel like we're kind of in the middle of it. Like, we had the big roar of the Black Lives Matter movement, now we're in the middle, and there's so much yet to come. So we're mm-hmm. right in the middle of the movement. It's been gaining more momentum and more awareness each day, um, but we're also right smack in the middle of Pride Month here in Toronto. And I was shocked to learn that Pride and Black Lives Matter are actually sort of, I don't know if the right word is like codependent. They're really, really related to each other. And I'm excited Mm -hmm. to learn more about it today. Yeah. So I just want to also uh, point out the fact that um, just a few disclaimers here. Um, We didn't plan to specifically do this podcast on Juneteenth. This is just coincidence for scheduling purposes. And I think that I want to first and foremost uh, say that anything that I say is from my experiences of a cis um, cis white queer man. Mm-hmm. That's my perspective. That's the only experiences that I've personally lived. So I cannot speak to any people of color. I cannot speak uh, for black people, any indigenous people or uh, trans people. So yeah. I just want to first and foremost make that clear. So I'm just any information or any facts that I state is solely from my experiences and the information that I've any of the re- research that I've done. Um, and 
uh, yeah, we just end with Juneteenth. I definitely mm-hmm. think that it's important to recognize where we're at, the day it is, and to actually make it a, um, for lack of better terms, holiday to for people to recognize the history, the history of the abolishment of slavery. However, mm-hmm. shit is still happening. Things are still things are still going on, and um, we're like you said, we're right in the middle of it. We're right in the middle of Pride Month. We're right at the forefront of this movement, and it's only just going to continue going. And I think that this podcast is definitely there to help people and to give momentum for this rebellion. Mm-hmm. And yeah, just exactly what you said, like Rob and I weren't thinking like, oh, let's sit down on Juneteenth and let's let's record yeah. a podcast about Black Lives no, Matter and Pride. It was 150% a coincidence. Like I said, I didn't know what that was. I'm not afraid to admit that I didn't know what that was. I grew up in a white community. I went to an all-white high school. Um, I went to University of Toronto, which everyone knows is prestigious and things like that we're not really taught about these things but I think it would be improper of me not to sort of recognize the significance of this day now that I know what it is but yeah so Rob's gonna sort of be educating me um you guys know the crazy beautiful life is not scripted we don't like we're not gonna sit here and read a bunch of research papers and all the things um we really want to try and make it a casual conversation like you were sitting down with a couple of friends because I feel like that way it's just a wee bit more effective and relatable so we're going to cover a wee bit about Rob what makes his life crazy and beautiful and some of his experiences then we're going to sort of segue into um, pride how pride got started why it's relevant to BLM and all the things it might be organized it might not be organized but I'm just happy that we're here and doing this. So before we get into all the things, Rob, let's give a little bit of an intro to who you are, what you do, um, just anything, even your favorite color, whatever you want to tell us. <laughs> For sure. Awesome. So, uh, yeah, like before, like I said earlier, I am a cis, uh, white, queer man. Um, that's how I identify gay, queer, uh, queer guy. I'm 24. I, um, I graduated from Humber College's bachelor's degree. Uh, Bachelor of Journalism degree program. And there I uh, learned that's where I first kind of got my foot in the door of uh, social justice. And um, that's kind of where I started my activism work. Um, I, a lot of the pieces that I worked on previously and um, even my own thesis were related to LGBTQ plus injustices, victories, uh, successes, um, trauma and uh the the um the fight that's still going on so um both in history and to present day so that's kind of where um my i guess like i can speak to some sort of information that's kind of my my past mm-hmm. um i've done work with uh global news uh cbc photographers without borders um i um i actually also i worked with you bethany for uh, five years, I think, or when did it, so no, not five, God, like probably three. So like 2017, three, 2017 so yeah, 2017. So three, five. Oh my God. Yeah. Um, well, this would, yeah, this year so, would have been four if, if it was a thing. Yeah. If it was a thing, it would have been four, <laughs> but, um, yeah, so we've been working together for a long time. I've known you for a long time and, and I think that we know each other very well by this point. Um, mm-hmm. I've, I've, uh, my, I've done a lot of stuff in my life and I've done a, I have a lot of experiences and, um, 
I, and the Bose is just like one of them. And <laughs> we, and then you've mentioned on your podcast before, like the craziness that has happened on the Bose and <laughs> yeah. the things that we do and the, the parties that we help organize and the, that we help make come to life. So, um, those are just crazy, beautiful experiences in, <laughs> yeah. in, in itself. So, uh, but yeah. Yeah. So for those of you that uh, missed that, Rob and I did actually meet on the boats. Um, really fortunate. Same with Lily. Lily and I met on the boats. If you listen to mm-hmm. the episode we recorded last week, if you didn't listen to the episode we recorded last week or two weeks ago, you probably should. Um, but yeah, Rob is another person that I met on the boats and I actually still remember like one of the first days I saw you. So Rob worked on the dock Mm -hmm. um, our first summer. So he would like catch our lines and stuff. And I was on the ship. And um, then so sort of like the dock people don't always get super involved with like the people on the boat, because by the Mm -hmm. time the people that are on the boat finish work, the dock people are gone. Um, But then Rob and our really good friend Fallon sort of started coming on board and stuff like that. And I was just like, I love this guy. Like you just radiate confidence and positivity but not like toxic positivity like the kind of positivity that's like hey you know like what you just said right there that's not okay and this is why but you know I'm gonna tell you why that's not okay and Mm -hmm. I don't know I've just always valued that you're just really I don't want to say out there but like you're just so yourself and you're confident and you speak up all the time for anything that you believe in or anything that you don't believe in. So I think that's really cool. You're a very vocal person and I love it. Oh. And I love that oh, the boats course. brought us together. <laughs> of course. Yeah. The boats are bringing really good friendships together and really important friendships. And especially in this time and damn, like, thanks for just like gassing me up. <laughs> no oh, I feel so like, Oh gosh, now I'm so hold true to everything that you said so nice (laughs) but also I feel like because you've traveled a lot as well you're pretty humble so Mm. do you want to talk about maybe some of your experiences traveling that have made you a humble person yeah yeah sure so I mean like the only like I've so like I guess somewhere to start was when I first graduated of high school I went and did a I wanted to take a gap year like like it's such a thing for people in high school and for the high school system to really groom their students into going into university specifically Mm -hmm. and not into like any for whatever reason like once you go to an institution like University of Toronto like not knocking them at all like it's a very it's a a remarkable institution, one of the best in Canada. Um, but people like that's kind of how the system is in place. They're really there to like groom you and make you um, into an academic. But um, a, I found that a lot of the people were going into school and didn't really have a sense of what they wanted to do or a sense mm-hmm. of purpose. Like, what is it that I want to do 10 years from now? Or what is it that I want to start my career in that I could see myself doing for the rest of my life? I literally had no idea. And I still don't. I'm, I, it's been like, it's been a long time since I graduated from high school. And I still don't know, have a sense of idea of what I want to do with my life. That's fine. But when I graduated <laughs> high school, I, I took a gap year and my intention was to go to Banff, Alberta, um, and live there, work there and experience life. And I did that. And, um, 
it did not pan out the way that I wanted to. Mm-hmm. I had the idea of I'm going to go, I'm going to save a bunch of money and I'm going to live there for a few months and I'm going to experience the world and I'm going to or experience BAMP and experience new people and, and stuff. So that was the idea in my head. Now I get there and my parents had dropped me off because my parents also went out West with me. We were going for a cousin's wedding. My parents had dropped me off at the hostel that I was going to be staying at. And I got out and I walk into the hostel. Uh, my dad helps me uh, get all my stuff in order with my room and with my sheets and towels and stuff. And they leave. And as soon as they leave, I start breaking down crying. Aww. I was just like, what am I doing? Oh my God. Like what the hell? Um, and so like before I thought going into it, I was just like, Oh, this is going to be easy. Like this is going to be a different experience. Like I'm so excited. I'm so um, adventurous. But then as soon as that happened, like I got a slap in the face with reality. I was just like, wow, uh, this is the first time I'm going to be away from my parents. I don't know if I can do this. Like, I don't know if I'm ready. And mind you, I was, I just turned 18. Mm -hmm. So a lot of people have the idea that, oh, when you're 18, you're an adult, you can do whatever you want. Like you're, you're graduated from like 17 to 18. Like your maturity is significant. Well, I was a little boy at 18. I was just (laughs) like, man, like this is not for me. Like I was crying and I was like wanting my mommy. And I was like, man, like this is just not, this is just not, it for me. So like literally like an hour later, I call my parents and they're just about to board their flight. And I was just like, I don't think I could do this. I really don't think I could do this. And then they're like, what do you mean? We just dropped you off. Like it's been an hour. And I was like, I don't think I can do it. I don't think I can do this. Um, and then they're like, okay, well wait a bit. Okay. Take some time and figure out like, if this is actually something that you want to do, if not, come home. That's easy. Like we have a solution. If, if you do find that this is what you want to do, stay a little bit longer. Like there's Mm -hmm. literally no harm. And so I just like, as soon as like I hung up, I just had the idea of going home cemented in my brain and like five days had passed and I was not enjoying myself. I had, um, because I had the idea of like, I want to go home. I'm not ready for this in my head. Um, and that was that was just a situation that I needed to get out of and for nobody else's nothing else but my own fear. And so five days later, I ended up going home um, and I did some I went home and I started working again. And I did, really did some like self-reflection. And I was like, man, like I am not the type of per- like I don't think that I'm that type of person that can just do something like that. Mm-hmm. Um and, um, that was kind of a, like a, like a, a humility check in, like you mentioned. So yeah. that was kind of the first taste of like, okay, like check yourself, you know, like you're not, you're not everything that you crack up to be. So really just like, think about that. Mm-hmm. Uh, so that was kind of like the first sense of adventure, <laughs> God, like barely adventure. I did not <laughs> take advantage of that. The only adventurous thing I got from it was like, was a tattoo that I obviously still have, but <laughs> oh my God, I that love was, that. <laughs> that was kind of like, that's literally like the, that was my first taste of that. And of course, since then I've matured and I've grown up, I'm still obviously growing up. We all are, but um, I've really come into my own and I've, I've 
since then been able to travel and been able, be able to go out on my own and experience different things like um, going to the states during the 2016 presidential election and covering wow. that for school like i like that was a really big thing because we did not know the outcome nobody knew the outcome that was a huge thing and people are still gagging over it i mean yeah. like wake up by now but um that was just like a major that was a, that was a major um step in in growth and then when i graduated from school i ended up doing an internship in London, England with the CBC. Um, and then, uh, again, like I had the idea kind of cemented in my head, like, Oh, I'm going to only stay there for the amount of time that my internship is, which was six weeks. So I was like, Oh, I'm, I'm going to buy a flight because I'm not going to stay. And then I, uh, and then I did it. And like halfway through my internship, I was like, I don't know if I want to leave yet. Mm -hmm. Like I wasn't ready to leave. So I ended up, uh, canceling my flight or rebooking it for like having it kind of on hold. So like when I was ready to rebook it, I could just pay the, pay the fee, um, the additional fare that, uh, I needed to pay. And mm -hmm. I ended up staying for an extra five months and yeah. that was honestly the best experience of my life. Mm -hmm. And I, I hold that, that so near and dear to my heart, but, um, but yeah. Yeah. I think fear like stops a lot of people from growing and experiencing new things. Like yeah. even when I just think about my own experiences, like when you were saying when you were 18, the day before I moved to Toronto, I was in my bedroom at home sobbing. My best friends came over, they brought me Timbits and I was like, I'm not going, like I'm dropping out. I'm not leaving uh -huh. home. I wow. can't be away from my dogs. I can't be away from my family. I mm -hmm. love my small town. I was like, I can't do this. And yep. I was bloody terrified. Um, and then even when we were moving into my apartment, I was, I decided I was going to go to Toronto. I was moving into my apartment. And my dad literally said like, if you don't want to do this, you have to tell me right now before I uh. sign your lease. Oh God. And I was like, no, it's fine. Like, I'm just going to do it. I'm, I'm just going to go for it. And I think if I let that fear overcome me, like I can't imagine how different my life would be. Like I wouldn't mm -hmm. know you. I wouldn't know like yeah. the majority of my close friends. I wouldn't know Danny. Like, yeah, I just can't even picture my life if I let fear control me in that scenario. Cause even Absolutely. my family was like, if you don't want to do this, like you're fine. Cause I was excited the whole summer before going to uni. I was so pumped up. And then when it mm -hmm. came down to it, I was like, Oh my God, it's here. It's real. And I was so close to giving into fear. So yeah, yeah, I think when, once you get over that hump and you're like, yeah, like maybe going to the UK for six weeks is like kind of terrifying and doing an internship. But once you get over that little speed bump of fear, it's like a whole freaking roller coaster that you never could have imagined. Honestly, like that. And that was, I was terrified. Mm -hmm. I, like that was, that experience was any, nothing like I would ever do. Mm -hmm. Like I was moving and like, that's a big thing for anybody is to just up and leave your life. And regardless of how long my intentions were, like, this is still like a decent amount of time. So, um, like I ended up arriving at my hostel and I, again, like a 23 year old, I just like started breaking down and crying. And I was just like, I don't know if this is for me. Like, what am I doing? Like, mm -hmm. I'm just like so nervous. Um, and especially going into an internship working for, 
um, a reputable organization like the CBC, I was just like petrified. Yeah. Um, but yeah, exactly. Like we, like fear, everybody has that sense of fear. Like we all as humans, like it's human nature to feel fear and to Mm -hmm. fear, feel anxiety. So if we, but if we can give into that, then we wouldn't be able to experience these amazing, remarkable experiences that change our lives. Like I didn't, I had no intentions. Like, and when I left my internship, I was like, okay, well, I don't know if journalism is for me. I don't know if this field is something that I could see myself doing. Mm -hmm. So I decided to just, uh, take a break from, from that and rethink what I want to do, rethink what my, like what my life is, you know, essentially. Mm -hmm. And so during, cause I had the time, I had that opportunity. Like if I was to do it, that was, was, that was the perfect time. So I ended up getting a job in a pub in, in London, England, and I ended up living above the pub and working there and I made some amazing friends. Yeah. Like some, and I still am in contact with those people to this day and they really like changed my experience and changed the way that I think about things. And like, I, like I couldn't imagine where I'd be if I didn't have that experience Mm -hmm. and what ended up being like a fear and uh, putting that in my head, like, Oh, this is only going to be six weeks ended up being six months of some of the best times of my life. Mm Mm-hmm. And also, like, I think this topic of fear is is super relevant right now in in the Black Lives Matter movement, also because it's Pride Month right now. The amount mm-hmm. of fear that's that's experienced within both of those communities is insane. Mm-hmm. But then for people outside of those communities, fear stops people from talking and having these conversations. People are too fearful to say the wrong thing, so they never speak up. People Mm -hmm. are fearful of, you know, the repercussions of saying the right thing, um, where they may be outnumbered, where they may be a minority, or where their opinions may be a minority. So I think if we can sort of look at this concept of fear in, in your life, and, like, I I truly think that you just live a crazy beautiful life, like... I feel like your life has so many different dimensions. I feel like you've really diversified your personality. You've diversified your friend group. Um, You've just diversified your experiences. Like, I don't Mm -hmm. look at Rob and think like, oh, Rob, like the, I don't know, like the health and fitness dude. Mm -hmm. You know, like how there's those people that you think of and you only think of one thing. When I think like, oh, Rob, I think like Rob who has the best dance moves in the whole world, Rob (laughs) who speaks up for social inequalities, Rob who is a great leader, who is a great person, who's a great friend, Rob who likes the outdoors, Rob who's good at kickboxing, who's good at running. Like, I just think you've really just taken your whole sense of self and made it like dipped your toes in so many different things, which is why I think you're so cool. And I if I were to imagine like maybe at some point you are afraid of doing certain things, but now look at you, like you are thriving and a lot of people who are afraid right now who have this fear, um, and they're holding back things that they want to say for fear of not saying the right thing. Imagine what could happen if they got over that little fear hump and wrote, wrote on the roller coaster to getting things to where they need to go. Yeah, absolutely. And 
yeah, without those initial fears and getting over that, then we wouldn't be where we are today. Like, like even just like taking the job on the boat, like that's a new experience. And I was like, I, cause the summer before I was also working on, um, I was working on in the Harbor in Toronto mm-hmm. and I noticed like how much fun those people were having on, on that particular boat on the tall ship. And I was just like, man, like that just looks like so much fun. Mm-hmm. Like, I want to be doing what the, whatever they're doing. Like, I want to be a part of the party. Mm-hmm. And like going into that, I was just like, and I'd gotten the job and I had started on the dock. I was just like, I was very nervous. I was very, in a lack of better words, fearful. I was just like, man, like there's people here that have years of experience on these boats. They're, they've already de- have developed friendships. Mm-hmm. They have are all of these um, experiences that I, I don't have like, they're doing these things and they're, they're working these, uh, private charters. Like they're working these raves and these bottle service cruises. Like, meanwhile, I'm just here selling tickets on the dock. Like <laughs> I was just like, like, sometimes going to work, I was just like, uh, like I'm like, I don't know. And like, and kind of going into, um, segueing, segueing into, um, pride and, um, kind of, and the fear that a lot of people have with, speaking up and with just existing like a lot of the situations I go into um I have to kind of out myself every single time that I go into it Mm -hmm. like as um a person as a queer person I like that is it's not my identity for sure like it's my sexuality isn't my identity Mm -hmm. however it makes up such a big part of who I am Mm -hmm. without my queerness I wouldn't feel, I wouldn't be as confident. I wouldn't be as outgoing. I wouldn't um, be willing to speak up for others. Like there's a lot of the, those characteristics that I have that just so it um, are inherently there because of my identity as a queer person. Mm-hmm. So like, that's kind of another thing is like going into any sort of job position. I have to be aware of, um, aware of my sexuality like is this okay for some people like thankfully we live in a we live in a progressive um we live in a progressive society in canada for the most part like in terms of um lgbtq plus community particularly for cis um cis gay people of course i'm only speaking from my own experiences i can't i'm not speaking for because there is significant work that needs to be done for the trans community and to eliminate transphobia. Mm-hmm. Um, but there's still that fear for some people that like, Oh, they're like, I don't know if they like me because I'm gay. Like there has been yeah. so many situations in the past, in past, ex- like with past employers, with past, um, with past experiences of like, even just like with people that I've interacted with where I'm just like, is my, is my the space that I'm taking up as a gay person inconvenient for these people? Mm-hmm. Is it making them uncomfortable? And that's kind of the fear that I live with for probably for the rest of my life. Mm-hmm. You know, like that's just like that's just ingrained into my brain. Right. So Yeah, and when I first started working on the boat, so my first year of uni, after I finished first year, I moved home for the summer mm-hmm. and I had an okay time. It wasn't, it wasn't amazing. Um, 
I've always sort of felt within my town specifically, I feel like I've talked about this before. I was friends with a lot of people. I was friends with the jocks. I was friends with the band people. I was friends with a lot of different groups of friends, but I never Mm -hmm. really felt like I had one true group of friends that were my calling. So the summer that I moved home, there was a lot of um, being left out, a lot of loneliness, a lot of just tagging on with my sister or my brothers, which like I'm so grateful for. And like, I know that things were supposed to be that way because of the way that my life is now. Um, Mm -hmm. And yeah, it was just a strange summer. So then second year came around and I went to school for second year. And then it was about to be the summer after second year. And I applied to a few jobs out West. I applied to a few jobs in Northern Ireland because I used to live there. Mm -hmm. And then I saw this job for this boat company. And I was like, do I go home? and do what I did last summer and spend a lot of time feeling sorry for myself or Mm. do I just try this new thing? So I was like, okay, I'm staying in Toronto for the summer. And that summer in in particular, 2017, even though I had already been in Toronto for two full years, I had finished first year, I had finished second year, um, even within the communities that I was involved with. I was a varsity athlete. Um, I was a student, so I hung out with a lot of girls who were just like me. Um, most of them were white. Um, that was just the way that it was. And I, ha- I felt like I hadn't really been exposed to a lot of the things that I, that I needed to be exposed to in order mm-hmm. to be a better ally, be a better advocate, um, and just just change my mindset from having grown up in a very small town with like mm-hmm. literally every single person is white. And I'm not bashing my hometown. I loved growing up in my hometown. It was an amazing, amazing experience, but I definitely mm-hmm. needed to see other people and mm-hmm. learn that there were, were other experiences that weren't all sunshine and rainbows. Um, I needed to learn about the social injustices. I needed to learn about racism. I needed to learn about homophobia, transphobia, all the things. So the summer after second year, when I stayed in Toronto and I worked on the boat, um, for those of you who don't know, we do like tons of different events on the boat. We do like raves, parties, um, weddings, like just It's crazy, and it is so amazing how many different people rent out our boats and Mm -hmm. different groups, and it it was just really, really interesting to me, and one that sticks out in my mind is that one cruise that we worked um, for Pride, Mm -hmm. and it was one of my favorite cruises, and it was just really, really interesting. I had an amazing time. And that was one of my first like big exposures to um, the gay LGBTQ plus community within the city. I'd never been exposed to that community. And then I was working these cruises with a bunch of different sectors of this community. And I was like, whoa. So Mm -hmm. I feel like a lot of people like know what pride is. Like I had definitely heard about pride. Um, but some aren't really sure what it is, or they think that pride is just a big party. They think it's a big Mm -hmm. rave. They think it's just a big time to get naked. Um, Mm -hmm. so in your own words, can you sort of describe like, what is pride? What is this month? Why is it significant? Who does it include? Is it Mm -hmm. all about partying? What's it all about? Okay. So, 
pride, you kind of have to go back to the history of, mm. of where this community started. And of course, like, obviously there's hundreds of, there's centuries of historical evidence to, um, to break down there, obviously where homosexuality is prevalent mm-hmm. and transsexuality is prevalent. Uh, so you kind of, but like it, it didn't really like pride in itself didn't really get the momentum until uh, Stonewall. So the Stonewall riots um, in 1969, I believe it, it was at the end of June in 1969 in New York city, uh, police uh, raided the Stonewall Inn on Christopher street in uh, New York. So um, at the time, um, so at the time, uh, during that time, a lot of uh, gay establishments were underground and okay. they were run a lot of the time by the mafia. So wow. they, yeah, so they would actually, um, they would get cuts and they would get uh, certain percentages of sales and all that stuff, um, all that monetary stuff that I'm not too familiar with, but they would essentially like, cause they knew that there were people that out there that wanted to explore, wanted to um, experience life with other um, other gay people. And uh, at the time, the Stonewall Inn was, uh, I believe it was only a, a men's-only club or men's-only bar. So um, there was um, gay men that would that frequented the Stonewall Inn. And um, at the time, and in, at the end of June in 1969, um, uh, the NYPD... Uh, raided the Stonewall and and they arrested and were brutalizing these people for essentially wow. existing in this space. And so that's when they started to fight back. That's when um, LGBTQ people started to say, you know, enough is enough. We're claiming our space where you are claiming this space. We're taking up space and we are going to fight against this brutality and so from then on, um, the next day that uh, the day after it led to um, protests and marches and and um, fighting back against the systemic race or sorry, the systemic homophobia that was within the police force. And that mm-hmm. could that is still within that police force, but or still within police in general to mm-hmm. some degree. Um, but they were fighting against that and it was um, it was liberation. And then from then on uh, the year after they um, would, the year after they marched and they would, I I, I can't remember the exact term of what it was, but it was um, that was essentially the inception of pride Mm -hmm. was through those movements. And there's been so many other historical moments, um, even here in Canada where, um, and in Toronto where the, um, the community was fighting back against the police. Yeah. Um, in 1981, there was a underco- undercover operate sting operation by the Toronto police service and it was called operation. Soap. so this was a, um, so this was, uh, when the Toronto police in 1981, uh, February 5th, 1981, they uh, did mass arrests across four different bathhouses 
that oh. were in Toronto. So they, it was an undercover operation and they went to, they essentially were, they were undercover and they did these mass arrests across four different bathhouses. Um, where, so if anybody doesn't really, isn't familiar with what a bathhouse is, essentially it's a place that's, essentially it's a place for people to come together mm-hmm. and to, um, experience their own sort of, uh, sexual experiences and mm-hmm. to intermingle with other, other, other gay men, essentially. Yeah. That was what it was for. Like there wasn't a place for, that's like when cruising was happening, cruising was extremely prevalent during this time as well. And it still is to this day. Um, but cruising like was a, like was a form for men to have sex with men to meet up with one another and to have these experiences. Like there, like this wasn't, people weren't as open as they are now with sexuality. Like yeah. it was still, it was still not seen in the public eye as uh, shameful. It was still seen as not okay. Right. So that was the purpose of what these bathhouses were, were for. They were to, for men who have sex with men to come together and to, to essentially explore, have sexual exploration and to explore other people's bodies and to really feel out their own sort of their feelings. Mm-hmm. Um, now the police raided these bathhouses. They, it was like $50,000 in damages and they made Whoa. like, uh, like two. And I, these numbers I know like off the top of my head because I was reading about it before, but they made like something like 286 arrests. Wow. And so from then on in Toronto, that's when, um, they really started to fight back. And that's when people started to protest this again. And like enough is enough. Like yeah. that was, that was 10 years or that was like 12 years after Stonewall, wow. but that was here in Canada. And that's, like in recent history, 1981, that's not a long time ago. No. And even since then, like the Pussy Palace raids and like in um, lesbian, uh, lesbian bars, like things like that. There are so many things and like so many pivotal moments that have happened in history yeah. um, that really give pride a purpose. Right. So without Stonewall, without these other historical moments, there was, there wouldn't really be a pride. You know, if it wasn't for people like Marsha P. Johnson and Sylvia Rivera, trans women, trans women of color, black trans women, Marsha P. Johnson, like she was said to be one of the fir- like on the front lines fighting for for equality and fighting for gay liberation at the time. You know, like mm-hmm. super important figures that people just don't know and people don't really recognize to this day and people within our own and within the community, they don't know who these people are and they don't recognize them. Like, um, so without those people, without, um, without that history, there wouldn't be a pride. Yeah. Now pride today is awesome. Pride is yeah. such a fun time. Yeah. And there's parties and people are drinking. And like you said, people are naked on the street, but like, I think for pride is such a personal thing for each and every individual that's within the community pride is what they make of it. So for me, pride is for, to make a simple question, long formed um, (laughs) pride for me is essentially it's, it's liberation. It's remembering those who fought for, who fought for the right of the table and their fight for our, the rights that we see to this day for marriage equality, for, um, sex equality you know mm-hmm. like those are the people that were really at the forefront and really um throwing the punches and kicking kicking down that 
um, prejudice and discrimination. So yeah, it's like, mind you, I do love a good, a good pride party, but it's just yeah. remembering where like taking a moment to really recognize, okay, we wouldn't be able to stand here in the streets, have a fun parade um, without the marches that have taken place at the end of the day. Pride is a march. Pride right. is a protest. Right. And um, speaking of the Stonewall, what were sort of the magnitude of these riots? If you could compare them to something, um, were they were they big? Were they peaceful, or were they riots? So I'm not. I I want to. I don't want to say like I don't want to say riots because like it, it just like it kind of inherently. Yeah. makes it seem angry, you know, like there's, and people are angry over for a good reason, Yeah, but people were protesting because like, similarly to how people are like, obviously I can't speak to it because I wasn't there, Yeah, but the way that, um, researchers have depicted and people that were actually there have said, like it was protesting against police brutality. Right. So think about the protests that have happened here in not, maybe not here in Canada, but in the state specifically yeah. and how we look, how they've been handled by the police and by, and peaceful protesters. Like yeah. at the time, like I'm pretty sure people were angry, like obviously. So they were, they were throwing shot glasses. They were kicking and screaming and they were lighting cop cars on fire, but they had purposes. They had yeah. a purpose. They were angry, but from then on, like it was peaceful protests, but mm-hmm. It's, it's, at the end of the day, it's just like police kind of making it more, more aggressive than it needs to be. Like, yeah. it's like people are, are speaking up for a reason. Yeah. People are speaking against police brutality for a reason. Mm-hmm. And, um, sort of for me, like, this is a, a, a genuine question. Is it wrong mm-hmm. for me as cisgendered, straight, white, female, um, mm-hmm. is it wrong for me to say that like I love pride as someone who doesn't belong to the LGBTQ plus community? Like I mm-hmm. love the pride month. I love the the vibe that's throughout the whole city. Like it's electrified. I mm-hmm. love the people that I've met through these experiences. I love seeing people so happy and I love seeing people like really just proud of who they are so is it Mm -hmm. wrong for me to say like i love pride even though i have absolutely no position in the community not at all i think like i think that that is a great mindset to have like that's we need more love we need Mm -hmm. more people more allies that are saying i love this i love that this is an opportunity for people to have um have a voice and for people yeah. to have their fun and to be happy because it's a happy time. Yeah. Um, as long, so as long as you like, you could be happy that you, or you could love pride as long as you recognize where that, where pride stems from. Yeah. And that's the point of this conversation is to really understand like where pride came from mm-hmm. and where, and what it actually means. Like without those, without those people, we wouldn't have the happy, amazing, experiences that we have because there's some horrible experiences that still happen to this day mm-hmm. but we have but recognizing though that the pioneers that have really paved the way for us to this day and knowing like okay 
without people like Marsha P. Johnson and Sylvia Rivera, we wouldn't be in a position where we are. Yeah. You know, so I think just like acknowledging that, you know, like this is, this is at one point, this wasn't what it is to this day. We don't have massive corporate sponsors backing Toronto pride parade or pride Toronto, you know, like we weren't having all this stuff. We wouldn't be having a platform to have massive drag shows in the middle of young and Dundas square. We wouldn't have, um, we wouldn't have an entire day out of the year that the city completely just shuts down so that queer people and LGBTQ plus identifying people can have their space, you know? So as as long as you, as long as there's acknowledgement, then I think like, love it. It's a fun time. It's a great time. Mm -hmm. It was a sad time and it's troubling for a lot of people, but Mm -hmm. for what pride Toronto is like, it's, it's fun. Yeah. I think I can definitely do a wee bit more work into looking into the history because I've, I've seen all of the now um, Mm -hmm. and I've seen that it's fun and happy and there's a lot of love. um, But I haven't really seen or ever been exposed to all of the then and all of the the hardships that were faced and things like that. Mm -hmm. Um, So I can definitely acknowledge that a wee bit more so that it's maybe more appropriate for me to be like, I love pride. And also just acknowledging that, that's what we see like that's what we mm-hmm. see out in the street we see the love we see the happiness but we're also not seeing like the internal struggles um that these people go through people within mm-hmm. the community um in their daily lives in their families in their self-discovery um we're not seeing all of that as well so even just mm-hmm. acknowledging that like this is why this is such a big deal like this is mm-hmm. why pride month is so important this is why the pride parade is so important is because we're really trying to honor all the people that came before it, this and created pride, but also all of the struggles that people have had to go through to sort of get to where they're going um, with their identity, their sexuality, uh, whatever mm-hmm. it may be. So I can do yeah. more work with that. And I kind of want to add on to what I was saying before. And um, I appreciate that, of course. And I think that that's awesome for you to amazing for you to recognize. But I think that um, as long as like, also like, it's not just this one time of the year that LGBTQ plus people can really have their space. Right. Like, like, yes, like we're commemorating pride. We're celebrating um, what had happened, but as long as like we're focusing on this all year round and really acknowledging the trials and tribulations that are still occurring to this day, I think that's extremely important to recognize as well, that this isn't just like a one one that like one out of 12 month type of thing. Like this needs to be a thing like that is actively happening. Same with Black Lives yeah. Matter. Like this isn't just a moment, like this is a movement. And as long as like we're acknowledging things like Black Lives Matter and Pride 365 days out of the year or for good, like then, yeah, like that's just something that just needs to happen. Mm-hmm. And can you speak at all um to like the relationship between pride and black lives matter. Um, and like, I know you named off a few people, but like, what was the relevance of these people of color in the creation of pride? Right. So, I mean, there's definitely intersectionality between black lives matter and pride. And even just to this day, like without, without LGBTQ plus liberation, um, it wouldn't have been for, black people that this liberation wouldn't have taken place. Like, for example, like, so Marsha P. Johnson, 
she was a black trans woman, uh, trans, uh, yeah, black trans woman. Um, and she was present during the Stonewall, the protest of Stonewall. Now, um, there's documentaries and there's, there's actually a really good Netflix documentary about, um, her murder or about her death that happened, um, in 1992. But she is like one of the really big figures that we're looking at here when it comes to pride and how it started. And, um, I think not only just because of like, of her place in the actual movement, but just also because who she was as a person, Mm -hmm. you know, like she was, um, she was this extremely friendly outgoing person that just wanted to love and um, show people kindness and treat others with um, respect and kindness. Like she had a, a really tough time because even in that time, like of course, like racism was prevalent Mm -hmm. like it is to this day, like racism exists and she was facing racism and she was facing, facing also, um, transphobia and um from gay people from cis white gay people within the community like people didn't want like other drag queens didn't want her in the in their same space because she wasn't like a polished queen like she wasn't like a full-on drag queen like she wasn't like she wasn't where they were at or like people didn't really want her in their space because of just who she was but like she literally paid it no mind like marcia pay it no mind johnson mm-hmm. so she was um she's known to be one of the catalysts for the uh for the movement and for liberation so without figures like her there wouldn't be no pride like without people like marcia we wouldn't we wouldn't have what we have to this day so she's she's definitely somebody to look at as um, a form of intersectionality and like, and not just her, but others as well um, mm-hmm. that were, that were prevalent and still prevalent. And also just like looking at history as well with like liberation really s- starts at like there's things like the civil rights movement or yeah. things like the black Panthers and, and um the abolishment of slavery and like civil war, you know, like those are things that are, have happened because of black people and black communities, you know? So yeah. like they are really at the front, the forefront of a lot of these movements and looking at history, like how protests have happened throughout history. A lot of them are led by, by black communities and black people. Yeah. So there's definitely an intersectionality between Black Lives Matter and Pride. Yeah. And I was like, I was really, I don't know how to word it, but like, I felt strange that I didn't know that. A lot of people don't. Like, that's the thing. Like, I didn't know that until recently having to do my own research. Yeah. And that's the thing. Like, like we don't have, we're not taught that in school. Yeah. You know, like, and I think that that's a conversation, like a, a conversation that's very open at the top at the moment about what we're learning in school and what educators are like, what, what the system is prioritizing us learning. Like I learned a lot about Canada's, about agriculture, about fishing, about, uh, like colonizers, like not the actual people that they were taking 
space from. Yeah. I was learning about how heroic people like Christopher Columbus were or people that were like taking, taking up other people's space and stealing from others. Like Mm -hmm. we were learning about that kind of stuff and it like that kind of history. It's not mandatory. Like we're not mandatory. Like it's not a mandatory elective or a mandatory course for us to take in high school or in elementary school about, about, um, black history or about LGBTQ plus history or about indigenous history. Like we're like, or Asian American or Asian history. Like we're yeah. not, it's not mandatory. It, the, like the only way that people really learn about that kind of stuff is if that's an interest or if that's a path that they want to go down and learn about through um, optional electives. Like, I think that it is like the curriculum really just needs to really needs to change for so that people really know what had happened especially in Canada like like particularly for LGBTQ plus history in Canada like the like the like Operation Soap and the raids on the Pussy Pussy Palace raids like I didn't know about that until a few years ago Mm -hmm. like doing my own research like nobody and like maybe because of the like about the content like how adult it might be or like the explicit content that it has but like it's really not it just comes down to like what's right from wrong like you're brutalizing people's space for no reason yeah you're ta- you're destroying space and outing people for no reason like mm-hmm. and i think that that's just something that we need to learn about and we need to acknowledge that that's happened yeah and like even i can think of a few schools um i'm not gonna like out them but yeah a few schools that <laughs> I'm just going to out them that I go to. Yep. <laughs> um, and other schools have put up the pride flag to, you know, sort of show that they are standing in solidarity, which I think is great. I think it's awesome mm-hmm. to, you know, put that flag up there. Um, but maybe learning the history and the significance and all of the things that have happened in even the creation of that flag, that might mm-hmm. be really important. And I, didn't know that, like I said, until a couple of days ago. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, I think that it's it's awesome to sort of recognize these things and, and move in a progressive way, but we can't just mm-hmm. ignore all of the different things and, and the marches and the protests and the experiences that came before that to make mm-hmm. that a thing. So, yeah. yeah, maybe we need to show that we're showing our support. Mm-hmm. but make sure people know the history behind why that support is needed. Yeah. Not just like an empty, Oh, we're just going to do this for, to appease other people, like really acknowledging, like we're raising this flag in solidarity, both trans flag and, and pride flag and, and solidarity for this community. And like, and knowing why we're doing it to begin with. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's really important to know like the, intentions behind things like before Rob and I started um, recording we were just talking about a few different things about your intentions behind doing things so if a school Mm -hmm. is is putting up a pride flag are they doing it because they want to 
portray a certain image or mm-hmm. are they doing it to stand in solidarity, support the students that attend that school, um, honor the lives of those who have fought to create that flag? You know, it's really important if you're sharing on social media what your intention is um, mm-hmm. behind those things. Rob and I talked briefly before we started recording about that because it's really important. Mm-hmm. And like, and like I said earlier, we're in a really interesting day and age when it comes to uh, movements and rebellion because social media has really made it, has really amplified that. Mm-hmm. So things like Instagram, like people are still, and myself included, are reposting things to their stories about Black Lives Matter, um, the injustices that have that have occurred and are still occurring to um black indigenous people of color police brutality towards indigenous people here in Canada. Like, li- like, and for myself personally, like my intentions are just to educate the small following that I have. Mm-hmm. If you want to call it that a following or the people that are looking at my posts like that, yeah. like I want to inform people of what's going on because I don't have shame in that. I don't have, there shouldn't be shame in that. Like, why is there shame for speaking up for what's right for what's wrong? Yeah. You know, like what's wrong with using your voice, no matter how big or small it is to say, that's not right. These are the reasons why they're not right. It's like, we need to make appropriate uh, changes in order to really make sure that this isn't an ongoing issue. Yeah. Really like moving beyond that fear mm-hmm. Absolutely. Of, of saying this isn't right. That isn't right. Mm-hmm. Um, just moving beyond the fear of saying the wrong thing. Like w- mm-hmm. we talked about that for like the whole, like beginning of the, the episode is like, yeah. if your intention is a good intention and you can move beyond the fear of backlash or whatever it may be, then we're going to create a pretty big snowball effect. Like, for example, I was listening to another podcast earlier, um, and I've listened to this same podcast, I want to say, for about two years. Um, The girls who run the show are the same age as me. It's just like a cute, happy-go-lucky sort of podcast. And Mm -hmm. when things started happening, they were really vocal about everything. They were sharing. They were posting. They were changing all of the content that they were posting because they wanted to do their part they wanted to to participate in the movement they wanted to educate themselves they wanted to educate their followers because they recognized most of their followers were white women mm-hmm. um myself included and they were saying in their most recent podcast that they've lost like tens of thousands of followers like That's so tons, wild tons and tons and tons of followers are like we don't want to hear this we're unfollowing you but they were able to move past that fear of saying the wrong thing, of losing all their followers, of have negative, having negative feedback, receiving backlash and doing what's right. And mm-hmm. a lot of people are saying like, Oh, I don't talk about politics. I don't know about politics. Like this isn't politics like this, like pride and black lives matter and LGBTQ plus and like indigenous rights and all those things are not politics. They're literally human rights. Yeah, it's human rights, it's human lives, and it goes beyond your political opinion. Like, the lives of Black people is not up for debate. Yeah. I'm sorry. Point blank period, that is just not up for discussion or debate. 
It is literally just a fact. Like, I just, it boggles my mind when people are trying to debate on BLM and on, like, whether on police brutality. Like, there's just not, like, we're just not. Like, yeah. you, you can't. Like, you can't <laughs> debate whether or not one human life is worth more than another human life yeah. just based on the color of their skin. That is just not a thing. Mic drop. That's not a thing. Mic drop. Point blank period. <laughs> like literally like, and yeah, like, um, and I've even noticed on my own Instagram stories, like my, the amount of people that view my stories is like cut in half. Yeah, me too. Because I'm not like, and it's, and honestly, like part of me is like, you know what? Like you weren't like, you weren't really a real one if you're not looking at the stuff that I'm posting now and you're just complicit anyways. So, Mm -hmm. I mean, as much as I'd want everybody to take in all this information and how important it is for everybody to take in information, some people just are opposed and that's their own, that's their own, I guess, right to not taken in the information and to be on the wrong side of history. Mm -hmm. So moving forward, what can everyone like, no matter, no matter their sexual orientation, cis, trans, white, indigenous, black, Mm -hmm. whatever it is, what can everyone do to be a better ally, to be anti-racist, to be anti-homophobic? So what can everyone do to sort of help be better ally and support black lives matter. So I think that the important thing, um, right now, there's a few things. So first and foremost, having these uncomfortable discussions with your family and with your friends, for sure, whether it's black lives matter or the LGBTQ plus community or indigenous lives, like, having indigenous lives matter, like having those conversations as uncomfortable as they are about why this is like, what's wrong and getting it wrong so that you can learn from it and make those active changes in the way that you're thinking and the way that you have been thinking so that you're changing that from the way that you're moving forward. Um, I think that that's extremely helpful, not just for, um, others around you, like the close people around you, but also for yourself, just knowing that like, okay, like I'm doing this in the intention of not, not for to take pride in your own self for, or not for thanks of other people to like appreciate your, like you acknowledging the wrongdoings of life. Like, yeah, it's just, you just need to do it just to be, just to be with it, just to be with the times. Like it's, just having those conversations as uncomfortable as they are super important to have that dialogue open and honestly. Um, so I think that that's a great thing to do. Um, second, I think that it's extremely important right now to give space for, um, for black voices, for to voices of people of color and for space. I think that this is, um, an amazing opportunity for companies as um, if they're major, if they're small, like organizations to really look at their room, read the room, look at it and say, you know what? 
there's a lot of white bodies in here. There's a lot of white voices telling the stories for black people. This included like this podcast, like, like I'm not black. I'm a white person. I'm speaking on my own experience. And I acknowledge that there, like there should be space for black voices to be speaking on these issues and not just on these issues, but just like speaking period. Yeah. Like they should be able, like they're like, whether it's like a bank or if it's a newsroom or if it's a nonprofit or if it's the white house, like there needs to be, there needs to be diversity in those spaces and really, really, really giving space to uh, people of color. Um, And I think that like now is a really important time to recognize that. And for um, people to think like, you know, maybe like, and not have any sort of racial bias or any sort of racial discrimination based on the way that their name sounds or whether it sounds white or whether it is, um, whether like off the color of their skin or their origin or like whatever, like having those, being able to recognize that, you know, like in the past and right now we have been complicit to this situation and we haven't done enough to give space to, to these communities. We need to acknowledge that and we need to change. Same thing for trans people. Like there, I don't like there, isn't I think that they're like giving space for trans people is super important right now yeah it is imperative to be giving spaces for that community and it should have been anyways like a lot of people are um fired based off of their gender or their gender expression or their gender identity and a lot of people are murdered based on their gender expression their gender identity like there's so much that needs to be done with the trans community that it really needs to start with, again, it needs to start with the discussions that we're having at home and also in our workplaces. Yeah. Um, I'm also just going to like openly share a story. I don't mm-hmm. know if it will yeah. get me in trouble. Um, and this is me like personally reflecting and knowing now what I could have Mm -hmm. done in this situation. So I was at a place of work that I won't name and I've worked in Mm -hmm. a million different places, so it's hard to narrow down. (laughs) Mm -hmm. But I was at a place of work where um, a trans individual came into the into the building and they were receiving something that would help with their transition. Um, So that's very broad. So you guys can't determine what it is. Mind you, that was probably the first time I had ever knowingly um, come into contact with a tran- a person who is transitioning. Mm-hmm. Like I, that was a completely new concept to me. Um, now this person was purchasing the things that they needed to assist with their transition, and upon them leaving, there was a lot of chitter chatter, laughing. Um, just disgusting behavior from the people I was working with. Yeah. And in that experience, in that moment, I was silent. Mm-hmm. I, I didn't know. I, I just st- stood there and kept going about my day. And I think that now knowing what I know and knowing how important it is to, 
maybe I didn't participate in what they were doing, but I didn't stop it. I wasn't mm -hmm. against what they were doing. And yeah. I can admit that I can recognize that. And I can say like, if I ever was in that scenario again, I would be anti transphobic. Mm -hmm. If yeah. I was in a situation again of homophobia, I would be anti homophobic. I would be anti racist. Um, mm -hmm. And it's just sort of weird to reflect in yourself, admit where you have been wrong and sort of just be honest about it. And I'm being honest about it and people might come for me for that, but I'm going to be anti-transphobic, anti-racist, anti-homophobic and mm -hmm. all the things. <laughs> like, and that's, that's really important for you to recognize as well, because that's where we really start to do the, the building within ourselves to really um, deconstruct the narratives that have been written for us and to really come up with our own opinions and our own ways of thinking uh, without others telling us otherwise. Like it's, it's like that I've read, I've read some articles and I've done some research and, and that's kind of where it starts with us white people is in order to get to abolish our internalized racism towards people of color, towards black people, towards indigenous people. Um, it's really important to acknowledge where that comes from past situations where it's happened. Um, and to really think critically, okay, well, why am I thinking like that? Why have I, why did I make that decision? Why didn't I speak up? Why am I taking offense to somebody saying that what I'm doing is racist? Like really thinking about that is super critical. Like there have been so many situations where I've called out people and like, and even my own self, like I, I know that from my own past, I've done things that were complicit. I have done things that I've had to do my own sort of, and I'm still do, working towards, I'm still doing my own internalized, um, I'm still doing my own self-reflection of like, okay, well, what is, like, why are you thinking, like, why are some things that you think the way that they are? Like, really having to recognize that and think critically about, about those things and to make active changes mm -hmm. and to get that out of your way, get that out of your head that that's not right. Um, there have been situations where I've called out people and um, called people out for being like saying, you know, like what she just said was racist. And there was one situation where I called out a girl for saying what she said was racist and she started crying because it was offensive. And I was just like, you're really taking offense to that. Then that truly just proves that what you said was racist. Yeah. That you're, you are taking offense and you're crying mm -hmm. to me saying, you know, like, that's not okay. Yeah. Like, are you kidding me? Making, you're making yourself the victim in this situation yeah. and that's just not right. So I think that, so, um, and being honest with people and like as blunt as sometimes it might be saying, you know, like, that's not okay. Like that's like, like standing up for others. And, and I think that that kind of going back to what you were saying is like, that's a whole bystander effect, you know, like, and even in high school, like when somebody's bullying or being bullied, like how many times have we probably been complicit and said like, you know, like just stood by and watched something happen just because it made you uncomfortable or it was inconvenient for you. Mm -hmm. That's happened to me. Like I've, I've both, both been 
a victim of it, but I've also seen it just because of my own fear of not saying anything. Um, so again, like going back to fear, like as long like if you can get past that fear of, you know, like I know that this is a scary thing, but in doing so, I'm going to be the better person. I'm going to stand up for this person, regardless of the repercussions. You know that you're when you're doing, you're doing the right thing. I think that is like super important right now. Yeah, definitely. So if you could sort of tell our listeners one thing to support black indigenous people of color, to support mm-hmm. LGBTQ+, to support pride and all the things 365 days of the year, what is mm-hmm. something that you want everybody to know? Oh, God. <laughs> well, I think that the, this podcast is a great way for people to kind of get exposed to my own personal thoughts. Um Although I'm not, I'm not speaking on behalf of others. And I, and I guess in, I, I did kind of speak on behalf of others in this, this podcast. However, you know, only to really bring light to the current situations that are happening mm-hmm. and the, the horrible wrongdoings that they've been exposed to. Um, I think that what I want people to take away from this is to, um, that it's that literally this is not just a moment right now. This is a part of history. This is a movement and this is just not going to stop. And that I think that, um, knowing, doing your own personal research is super important and, um, listening to others, taking the time to give space and listen, don't interrupt, um, Black, Indigenous, people of color, don't interrupt LGBTQ plus identifying people. If they are saying that this has been an experience for them, if they're talking about their own experiences, if they're saying, like, this was my trauma, this has happened to me, or if they're talking about this is something amazing that's happened, listen to them, really give them love, and really just fight for them. Because right now, like, it is so, like, it's, it shouldn't have to be white people but like white people are are really need to step up and we really need to help and this is just super important for um for this movement and Mm -hmm. it shouldn't have to be it shouldn't be white people but like for whatever reason like if white person's talking about it then it gains momentum or for whatever reason but um yeah just doing research and um listening to those that listening to those experiences, don't be a bystander, overcome that fear and speak up for what's right. Mm -hmm. Because it's as scary as it is. And that's something that we all tell ourselves every day, as scary as it is, it will be worth it in the long run. And you would do something great that might not mean much to you, but to that other person, it might mean so much. Yeah. And something that um, you mentioned when we were conversing before, so this is your own words um, that I really liked, is uh, you mentioned hope. And Mm -hmm. I think that's important just for humanity in general is if we can keep this ball rolling, if we can keep moving in the right direction, there is hope that one day we will eventually get to where we're going. Mm Mm-hmm. Yeah, absolutely. And I think just like it's it it personally gives me hope that seeing all of these people come together 
um, in different parts of the, of the, of the country around the world speaking up about this, speaking up about police brutality and systemic racism and challenging the system. That is so hopeful. And we're starting to see minor changes here and there, policies being introduced, legislation being introduced in, in federal government. Um, however, there's still so much that needs to be done and so much that needs to be recognized. Mm-hmm. Um, so it does give me hope. Um, but we just have to keep going. Yeah. We literally just have no choice but to keep on making this change until, um, until, like, and when people say all lives matter, and like, yes, of course, all lives matter. However, all lives won't matter until Black lives matter. Yeah, until definitely. Black Indigenous people of color's lives matter. Mm-hmm. And I love what um, Marsha P. Johnson actually said. She said her, um, she said that. Um, during parades, um, during parades, she walks in parades as opposed to riding in a car because she walks for in solidarity for everybody who's, who doesn't have the same rights as majority of people. Mm-hmm. She walks for those that, um, she walks in honor of those people. So unless um, we all don't have our rights, then nobody has our rights. Yeah. And I just love that. So essentially, like, as long as these people aren't treated the same as us or treated the same as others, then there is no equal rights. And I and that just like hits home. And yeah. that's just it's extremely powerful. Mm-hmm. And, to the, and resonates still to this day. Yeah. And then something that, like, I really want to encourage, if you are still here, if you are still listening, I encourage every single person who is listening right now to send the link to this episode, send the link to the episode that I did with Lily in a direct message to a friend. Sharing on your story is great, but when you actually send that person a DM, when you actually send a person an infographic right into their inbox, you can see if they've opened it. I think we can create a snowball because I think that the things Rob and I have talked about is important. Um, And I would just love if we could try and keep this ball rolling and try and contribute to the movement in any way that we can. Um, And because I know that a lot of the people who are listening are white. I know a lot Mm -hmm. of people who are listening are from really small towns um, who also in their networks and in their groups have a lot of white people, have a lot of cis, a lot of straight. Um, So just try and if you are one person, you can send it to one person and they can send it to one person and maybe we can reach a broader audience um, just so we can help. I, -hmm. I just, I want to help. Of course. And I also, I think also, um, adding on to that because that's also an amazing thing to do. That's directly messaging somebody that should listen and should pay attention to this. You can see if they have read it, if they haven't, if they chose to open it, if they haven't, um, that's their own business. It might not be the best decision, but as long as they're they're, as long as you are doing your part and sharing the information, that's awesome. Mm -hmm. I think another thing that people can and should do um, is look into um, international and local 
grassroots organizations that are trying to help the community as much as they can um, to improve the lives of black people, to improve the lives of indigenous people, to improve the lives of trans people, um, LGBTQ plus identifying people. Like there's so many different networks that you can um, either donate to or volunteer for. Um, I think that that's so important to do. That's something that I'm currently doing. Um, I'm trying to look at different volunteer opportunities that I can do with different organizations um, remotely right now because of COVID. However, I would love to branch out and be on the front lines once I can't, once um, it's um, helping do so. Um, that's something that I, I, I'm going to be doing and will be doing from, from now on and donating to local organizations. Um, but yeah, I think I, I urge everybody to do that. Yeah, that's awesome. Okay, well, I guess we will wrap this up. Thank you so much for doing this, Rob. And I'm sure all the people who are listening are thanking you as well. Um, Just like genuinely, truly as like you're literally one of my best friends. Like, thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you. I know these can be tough conversations to have. um, But thank you for taking the time to do this today. Of course. Thank you for having me. And thank you to everyone who is listening. Um, Thanks so much for listening to the podcast. I know we've sort of steered in a wee bit of a different direction lately, but I think (laughs) it's a direction that is important and a direction that I'm happy to be going in. So thank you guys so much for listening. I will see you in my next episode. And bye, Rob. Bye. Thank you guys so much for listening to the Crazy Beautiful Life podcast today. As always, make sure that you are subscribed and following the podcast so you never miss an upcoming episode. And as always, if you guys have any questions, feel free to reach out to me on Instagram at bee.spiers. That's at b.spears. It is a beautiful life. Take care.